beautiful people of the world welcome to the happy conversation idea show today where we meet all the great thoughts ideas and story of the happiest people and i have a very wonderful guest today my friend name is darren jacklin i his profile is so big but i will try to make it in short but here it is how darren Darren Jacklin is a world-class speaker, philanthropist, real estate investor, and board of director of EXP World Holding Inc. For over 25 years, Darren Jacklin has traveled four continents and personally trained and tra- developed over 1 million people in over 50 countries. Wow. He has mentored entrepreneurs and business owners on specific and measurable strategies. This strategy has been implemented into business to increase income, transform obstacles into cash flow, and turn passion into profit. Darren has an uncanny ability to increase wealth and success by uncovering hidden secrets, overlooked opportunity, and undervalued possibility. His talent has captured the attention of Tiger 21. family offices royal family offices the wall street journal yahoo finances nbc tv cbc tv ctv cbc global tv international radio stations magazines and newspaper movie producer best selling authors ceos and business experts worldwide darren has also featured an international celebrity in the movie 2015 movie The Treasure Map. Wow, we will learn more about that too. Darren Jacklin currently sits on a paid international board of directors and advisory board of public and private company and with this experience he has successfully advised a small private American residential real estate companies to grow into an international recognized publicly traded company on the Nasdaq. He is also personally trained 157 Fortune 500 companies such as Microsoft, AT&T, Black and Decker, Barclay and Banks, Barclay Banks, and well as well as high school, college, and university students, and lastly, professional athletes. I hope a lot of athletes are watching. Pro- passionate about making a difference in people's life. Today, Darren also contribute time to his private family foundation called Leaders Yielding. to new knowledge and that is ly2nk to support the creation and the site of a new sustainable high school in the slums of Kampala Uganda East Africa his experience has connected him with people in more than 100 130 countries welcome Darren Jacklin my friend I'm grateful to be here happy thank you so much for allowing me to contribute and make a difference in people's lives amazing amazing it's truly honor and a pleasure to have you on our show and i can't wait to listen and the world is can't wait to listen to all your expertise ideas and advices which you have given to all the wonderful entrepreneurs you have many you have made many millionaires i hope many more millionaires will be made today okay so we have a very wonderful time today here i think My first question to you is please tell us about your childhood struggles and adversity and how you remained humble and happy while progressing towards success. A great question. Thank you. You know, I I uh, grew up in a middle income family, grew up in a place called Swift Current, Saskatchewan, Canada. I okay. see less than 20,000 people in population. I uh, failed grade 1 of public school and oh. was misdiagnosed with a learning disability and a reading disability. 
And so I was set back in grade one. And then it was determined that I should spend the rest of my school life in special education classes. So from grade one, all the way through to grade 12 of public school, I attended special education. So I never went to regular normal school like the regular kids. And when I was seven years of age, I realized I didn't fit into the academia world at a very young age. So I realized that I wanted to serve my community and solve problems. And I also wanted to be able to buy things and live life on my own terms. So I used to go out and knock on doors in my neighborhood in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. And I created my first little company at seven years of age called Rent-A-Kid, where I'd go out and cut grass, I'd shovel snow in the wintertime and deliver newspapers six days a week. And by the time I was nine years of age, I realized that I could be a contributor. And so I got my two best friends in my neighborhood, which we're still in contact to this day, 40 plus years later, still wow. in contact through social media. And created this little business called Rent-A-Kid that served the community by solving problems and making a difference as a fair means of exchange. And so, you know, school wasn't my thing. But serving mm -hmm. my community was my thing with my Renegade business. And at that days, you know, it was something that gave me significance. It gave me a sense of contribution. And today I realize that I'm grateful for those experiences. Wow. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, this is amazing. Um, so how did you learn from your mistakes? Great question. To me, mistakes is just a learning feedback mechanism. So I'm always okay. getting feedback from mistakes, right? It's like okay. in sports, if you're playing baseball, right, and you're at the home plate and you're swinging the bat when the pitcher's pitching you the ball, you just have to keep swinging until eventually you're going to get a base hit. No different than in hockey, you're going to take shots on the net, right? Okay. So I've always learned that, you know, mistakes, adversities, failures, challenges are actually opportunities or blessings in disguise. So I, I love problems. I love yeah. challenges <laughs> because I get really excited because I realize, guess what? It's a way to serve humanity. There's all kinds of disguises there, and we just have to mine the gold of opportunities. And guess what? We create economic development and job creations. Wonderful. So you love problems. You love, so you're a problem solver. So that's why you a problem seeker. Yeah, I think problem a problem seeker. Solver, Paul, I'm always seeking problems. So when people are watching the news media, they're thinking, oh, my gosh, all the doom and gloom. Yeah. I'm looking at all the ways to monetize these unrealized assets, these business opportunities. I'm thinking, my gosh, what wow. a list of opportunities to go out and serve humanity. That's brilliant. Now, as we mentioned your vast um, summary, I think that is still just even not even 5% of your success. But you are, what does this EXP world do? Oh, so EXP World Holdings. Yeah. So yeah. I serve as an independent board of directors of this company. Uh, okay. We're in the residential real estate and commercial real estate. Okay. Uh, we're a virtual cloud-based residential and commercial real estate company. Wow. We've got close to 50,000 licensed agents at the time of this interview recording in yeah. multiple countries around the world. And we're also a publicly traded company on the NASDAQ under EXPI. Oh. And we've just been having an incredible time as a growing and scaling company. So the best way to describe our business model or what EXP World Holdings is or EXP Realty is if you look at, you know, a few years back, we had Blockbuster Video, which is a yeah. order, you know, video store. And then what disrupted Blockbuster Video? Well, Netflix and online True. streaming from your mobile phone or your, your television. So we're a disruptive company. So we're loved and hated in the industry internationally. Why? Because we provide innovation, collaboration, and create opportunities for our licensed agents and brokers around the world. But people that are stuck in the traditional generational bricks and mortar industry, it's a reset in their mindset to having to change. As we know, most people don't like change. We resist being change. And wow. innovation disrupts that. And so we're a game changer in residential commercial real estate, and we're loved and hated for it. So I always say, you know, 
in life, you get hugged and you get slugged (laughs) and you get kicked and you get supported and you get challenged. So it's an incredible opportunity and encourage people to research EXP World Holdings or just go on to Google and type in EXPI and that will give you a good start to your research. Yeah, and wonderful. Thanks for sharing this because I have a lot of our uh, community members and fans and followers that who are into real estate and they will definitely get benefit out of it. And thanks for sharing this information. And I hope you can just be available for them to give the best answer if they have questions. Excellent. As I mentioned in your great vast summary that you also are an author. And what is the most significant thing about your book, Until I Become? And, well, you know, and and also, it yeah. took you almost like you've been an entrepreneur for philanthropist for over two decades, and it took almost like two decades, 20 plus years to write a book. And what, what's the secret? What's the story behind it? Please tell us about that. Yeah. Book. Well, you know, it's interesting. I have over the last 25 years, I've had over 300. If you can imagine, this is a great challenge or problem to have. I've had over 300 book publishers, you know, and some of them have come and gone over the, the last few decades because of changes in the industry. But between the 1990s, the 2000s, the, you know, the 2010s, and now to this decade, I've had over 300 book publishers approach me, wanting me to write a book. Wow. And again, my mm-hmm. backstory growing up with a learning disability and a reading disability, I still had a limiting belief in my mindset saying, I don't want to sit down. I don't have the patient levels to sit down on a computer and type out a book. I figured if somebody wants to sit beside me on an international flight from Vancouver, Canada to Australia for that flight of time or to Africa, mm-hmm. they could do that. So during COVID-19, I was doing some end-of-life planning and some estate planning uh, with my team. And I thought, you know, I've got stacks of journals over the last several decades because I'm I'm obsessed with journaling every day. It's a daily discipline. It's non-negotiable every day. And I realized I've got all these journals that when I pass on, I'm going to pay it forward and pass it on to my nieces and my nephews. And I thought, why should I have to wait till I die? It could be be 40, 50 years. Who knows? Right? Why should I wait till that time? Why don't I pay it forward? And so, you know, I've had a lot of adversities and failures and challenges in my life. So I thought, what if I can write a book that's a practical book? Yes. That's going to give people a huge upside of return on investment of time, effort, energy, and financial resources, a monetary gain. Yes. But we don't need to read any more books. You know, people today are drowning in knowledge, but they're starving for wisdom. They're overloaded with information today. But what if I could give somebody a practical book of step-by-steps, how-tos, that a mother or father, a grandparent, a CEO, a manager, supervisor, somebody would gift it to their children or grandchildren. It would be used in colleges or universities or the prison systems or the educational systems. It would be used in regards to philanthropy or humanitarian initiatives. It would help to alleviate poverty in third world countries. It would provide vast. So it wouldn't be, it would be a book that would be a life-changing book. And what I'm after with Until I Become is the stories. So when I meet somebody, when I get off an airplane or I'm in a different city, somebody comes up and says, hey, you're the guy I read his book. Yeah. And here's what changed in my life, personally, yes. professionally. Yes. That's the juice for me. That's what I'm after is wow. the experiences of collecting millions of stories around the world as a legacy for myself of Wonderful. how I've made a ripple of impact yes. to transform the human spirit of humanity. Wonderful. Wow. What an incredible, preeminent idea and a preeminent thought you have. And also, Michelle Obama also had the book called Becoming, right? Yes. Uh, and yes. then also, it's so, so wonderful. So what is the, what is the significant takeaway of your book, Until I Become? Just in a few words, you can... You know what? It's, 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 a, it's a roadmap 
of how you can go out and achieve an extraordinary quality of life on your terms. Okay. Because I've screwed up. I've made tons of mistakes, <laughs> possibly you know, millions of dollars. You don't have to. I can be your tour guide or your pilot yes. to help you course correct and navigate things. Yes. Because I would go to workshops and seminars and conferences and spend a lot yes. of money and a lot of time, go True. there and see somebody on a stage, put them on a pedestal, yeah. put myself in the pit and depress myself. Yeah. And there'd be a huge gap between where they're at in terms of their success and me just trying to pay my bills at the end of the month. Okay. All and right. so what I've done is, 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 is broken it all down, not just on business, but until I become really understanding the mindset yes. and what are the daily habits and what are the daily routines that successful men and women do, do. in different areas of their lives that I do myself in terms of daily habits of routines that are non-negotiable, yes. but also having to train developed over a million people in over 50 countries on four continents. Wow. What do people do during the waking hours of their day? Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's great. Now let's talk a little about your, your expertise, which into the financial things. So my question is, um, and in fact, this is a lot of our uh, uh, members have asked the question as well. During the financial crisis, you had your own independent thinking, or you have been advised to make life-changing decisions? During the COVID-19? Uh, during the COVID-19, also the, during the financial crisis. Uh, well, I mean, you've well, been up and down. So well, it was your own independent thinking or it was been advised by life, uh, some other people? Now, as for myself, I tripled my financial net worth. Lovely. During Excellent. The, during the COVID-19 because in 2008 and 9. I got spanked really hard and almost went bankrupt during 2008 and 9. Okay. And... Uh, and I realized through so much pain and adversity and stress and sleepless nights, yeah. that I know every seven to 10 years, there's a big market correction based on the last 100 years of history. So yeah. I knew going forward that I have to create contingency plans and cash reserves and have multiple revenue streams. Okay. And if something should happen through scenario planning, yes. I had contingency plans in place Lovely. and then I would thrive versus survive in the next market crash. And I took off like rocket fuel. Because Wonderful. I learned over a decade ago. A difference, yeah. So you utilize all your adversity and defeats experiences from the past Excellent. and you utilize and you made a contingency plan about that. Excellent. Now, when you succeed in life, do you party or you pounder? No, I get, I, so I, I'm different. <laughs> so what I do is I think like nature, like the squirrels in nature. Okay. Um, I'm always thinking winter when it's in the summer. Okay. So, because, because, you know, why they're coming from a problem, yes. we're in a problem, or we're heading towards a problem. Okay. So when I achieve a success, a victory in business, for example, okay. I'm waiting, I'm thinking winter's coming. So I'm the opposite than the masses. Well, people are out celebrating. I'm yeah. stacking cash. Yeah. I'm putting contingency <laughs> plans. I'm scenario planning. I'm doing asset protection, risk mitigation, all that kind of stuff. So I do the opposite of what most people do. Excellent. And so when we are in a downturn in an external economy, I thrive. Excellent. That's why you're uh, <laughs> Darren Jacqueline and your methods. Wonderful. Now, wh what are the principles uh, during your lifetime? You have so many uh, uh, partnership and association and all that thing. During, according to your experience, what are the principles of dealing with difficult peoples? Well, yes, great question. So people are difficult. They're just different. Okay. Right? Everybody has different we don't know the history or experiences with people, right? Or okay. if they have trauma or, or, or some significant event that's occurred in his or her life based on their childhood, right? Or okay. their past programming. 
So I, I see people as being different. And what that does is allow me to come from a place of authenticity, vulnerability, okay. compassion, heart-centeredness, and generosity. Okay. And, and, and not make them wrong, not make them bad, not judge them or criticize them, but just come from empathy and compassion, realizing, hey, hurt people hurt people. And okay. I don't know the history and experience of this person, of what they've been through in their lives. Hmm. And so I just want to bless them, honor them and respect them and just build some relationship equity and some rapport with them. So they get to learn to know me and like me and trust me over a period. It may not happen the first time, but okay. at least if I can build an authentic relationship with him or her, I know I've made a difference in that person's life. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, there are a lot of investors and all, according to your experience and all, what is the biggest mistake any investor makes in their life? Oh, yeah. Great question. So they focus on the upside versus the downside. I spend okay. 80 to 90% of my time on protecting the downside in terms of asset protection and risk mitigation and 10% okay. on the upside of the opportunity. So when someone starts, number one is I get completely turned off or okay. repelled when somebody pitches me or tries to sell me. Okay. I would rather be educated and informed versus pitched and sold. So when somebody, <laughs> reaches, out, yeah, when somebody reaches out to social media and they friend request me like on LinkedIn and all of a sudden my inbox lights up with a pitch, I, yeah. to, I don't even read it, it's just delete. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because to me, that's a transactional relationship. True. It's, it's like a one night stand. I'm like yeah. a prostitute in business. They're just trying to get something <laughs> from me. And I just don't want those people in my life. So True. I just delete them. Okay. I'm looking for somebody who wants to be relational versus transactional. Okay. And somebody who wants to educate me and inform me. So a lot of people get elated. They get a dopamine yeah. fix and they get into speculation and instant gratification and they don't do their discovery process or their due diligence. Okay. Because there's three steps to money. Number one is to, to, to make or earn money. Step yeah. number one. Step number two is to protect your money and keep it safe. Excellent. And then step number three is how do you multiply your money? Excellent. And all three steps require a different mindset, a different skill set, and sometimes different advisors or counsel or friends around you. Most people in the world, I, I'm very good at multiplying money. Why? Because I was once homeless, once lived on the streets, and yeah. once ate my next meal of a garbage dumpster for a short period of time. And I also collected okay. welfare. Yeah. So I learned how to take that welfare money and how to maximize it to get a return on investment. So we learn from our experiences. Experiences. Wonderful. Now, I want to touch base again, as you said, that you are great into uh, uh, in investment and all. Uh, how someone can multiply the investments? Now, people have a lot of investment and all, but they stay there and they just remain in the same bracket and they don't grow and flourish and thrive. But wh what advice would you give how to multiply your investments? Well, first of all, is getting around people, creating your environment and your inner circle of people that are skilled at that, people who play at a higher level than you. Okay. So, you know, when the student is ready, the teachers appear. True. So what I always say, whether it's virtually or it's in person, put yourself into environments where there's high net worth or ultra high net worth people. They're all okay. over the planet. You know, I've been, okay. I've been to third world countries and I've met with integrity some of the most influential, wealthiest people or affluent people in those countries that are not corrupt people. They're integral, law-abiding, compliant citizens. And so no matter where you go in the world, here's something to understand. We don't have money problems in life. We only yeah. have thinking problems in life. There's no lack of money. <laughs> True. The key thing is, if somebody, like my investments are boring, like I invest in a lot of boring stuff. But the difference is, is that I, when I, when I made my first million dollars, I sat down with one of my mentors one day who was okay. worth about 25 million. And he owned multiple companies in real estate. And he said to me, he said, Darren, 
He looked at my financial net worth statement that I got certified from my accountant. So it was verification. He looked at my financial net worth statement over dinner one night. He said to me, Darren, congratulations. You're a financial net worth. You're a millionaire now, but you're flat broke. I said, what do you mean flat broke? He goes, Darren, can you go to the ATM machine, the automated teller machine right now and get me $2,000 in cash? Yes or no? I said, I can't. He said, can you get me $1,000 in cash? Yes or no? I said, I can't. He said, can you get me $500 in cash? I said, no, I can't. He said, okay, can you get me $250 in cash? He said, I can do that. He goes, you're broke. He said, Darren, here's the life lesson for you. He said, always remember this. You cannot eat your financial net worth. You can only eat cash flow. He goes, on paper, you're a millionaire, but you're flat broken. You have no liquid cash and you have no passive monthly recurring cash flows coming in. Okay. But guess what? You can impress and brag to people that you're a millionaire, but yeah. you're not freaking broke. Wow. And that punched me in the face and I realized, oh my gosh, I got to generate multiple revenue streams of passive recurring cash flow. Same thing with right now. I'm focused on doing acquisitions in business. Why? Because yes. I've done a lot of startups and been partners in startups. And guess what? It's a lot of work. It's a hustle. It's a grind. True. Here's True. what I discovered. It's easier to buy revenue than to create revenue. I can go and get a pre-existing company where somebody wants to retire or somebody who's burnt out from running that company, but it generates positive cash flow every month. I can go to an accredited investor and say, look it, here's the finances of this book, a business that's been audited by an accountant or a financial team. Here's, Here's the last two, three, four, five years of their financial statements. This is what they're producing. This is my game plan going forward. This is my exit strategy. This is my team around me. I need to borrow X amount of dollars. And an investor's money is going to be much calmer than investing into some startup company with a lot of speculation and no promise or guarantee going forward. Excellent. Wow. Well said that. I hope this uh, golden nuggets will be very beneficial to our audience and all. Now, as you touch base on the, uh, the real estate thing and all, how to win in the real estate investing world specifically? Yeah. So, so, well, one thing is I'll just tell you from experience, I don't buy anything retail. Um, Here's something to consider as human beings. All we are is a network of conversations, right? We're just a network of conversations. So I have a, you know, I use my mobile phone. I have a massive network I've built around the world and I follow up consistently and I maintain relationship equity with those people, right? Because the fortune's in the follow-up. So I, I buy a lot of, like, I, I own a lot of real estate, single family homes, and I'm an investor in car washes and REITs and mix and mortgages and all kinds of stuff across North America in my portfolio. And the thing is, I like tangible assets. I like something I can drive by, something I can see on Google Images or Google Earth. I like that. I don't like speculation. I don't like intangible investments because I have no control. I also okay. like things I can put insurance on. But one of the things to consider when it comes to investing is it, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And it's, it's getting people that are successful with a proven track record pending you do due diligence. You know, there's lots of gurus out there that have podcasts and do seminars and all that kind of stuff, right? They're just trying yeah. to get you money and sell a program. Okay. You gotta trust people, but verify. You know, okay. find out when you see people that are teaching in real estate seminars, for example, or doing podcasts on real estate seminars, how long have they been in the business for? What's True. their track record? And what's their financial net worth and who's in their core inner circle of their team. Very important as part of the discovery and due diligence process. 
Wonderful. Now, and the the market is always not stable. It's always volatile, and it goes up and down and fluctuate day and night and all. So, when stock market crashes, what advice do you have? Now, you being a board of director on on the Nasdaq on one of the uh, EXP holding, and you are experienced. What advice would you give when the stock market crashes? Well, the key thing is is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Diversify okay. your portfolio, and always have liquid cash. Right, I love using real estate agents when I do business. I, I buy things off market, but yeah. I also have a network of real estate agents because they're in the know all the time because they're always networking, right? And so I'm grateful. But the key thing is, don't put all your eggs in one basket because you're overexposed. Yeah, right. Or you can be over leveraged okay. and you're vulnerable. But also have cash reserves. Okay. Right, especially in like a COVID nineteen era going forward. You know, people say you got to have an emergency fund of three months. I say a minimum of one to two years. If you look at Apple and Microsoft, <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they bank two years liquid cash so to true. cover all their expenses and their employee expenses. So true. in your life, you know, have at least 12 months to 24 months of, I have that, at least a liquid cash to cover over things just in case. And yet, you know, money sits in a low interest account, whatever you, you do with that, but you have access to it within 24 to 48 hours of liquid cash. It's so important that you have cash reserves because okay. then it clears your mindset up so you can focus on your mission and not be distracted. Wonderful. So that's a great piece of advice. Now, sometimes when you do all this kind of activities and all, people do mistakes and all. And in your life, as you mentioned in your childhood, you've done a lot of errors and all. Now, my question is to what is the value of, what is the value and joy of mistakes? Now, people, when they do mistakes and error, they feel frightened, frustrated, anxiety, um, panic attacks, and they do all sort of things. And the extreme, even they can go and they do suicide and all. But now, you've been very successful. You've been going through with all ups and downs. What, what is the value and joy of mistakes? Well, I'll give you an example. So I had a friend recently who tested positive for COVID-19, right, this global pandemic. He calls me up. He got a phone call from the health health unit. They called him on the phone and they, they said that, you know, he tested positive. And right at that moment, when the lady called him, he went into a depression. Well, I happened to talk to him just minutes after that phone call. And I asked him, I said, what are the benefits of having COVID-19? He's okay. like, are you absolutely nuts, Darren? Like, what do you mean the benefits of having COVID-19? He goes, I got to stay at home now. I can't go out. I said, hold on a second here. Let's take out a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, top left-hand corner, let's write down the word benefits top right-hand corner, let's down the right drawbacks, and let's come up with 50 benefits and 50 drawbacks to having COVID-19. See, this is what people don't do is whenever there's a problem or a challenge or mistake or adversity in their life, people automatically go to the negative yeah. and they're like, so depressed. I'm like, okay, great. What's the benefits of having this mistake or problem and what's the drawbacks? Okay. So with the COVID-19 is he gets to stay home. So now he has to go online or go onto an app, which he's grateful that somebody created the app and somebody created the website, he's got to order food now to his home for the next 14 days. Yeah. So now somebody's got to deliver that, that, that food to his house. He's, that person's going to have wear and tear on their vehicle, which means they're going to have to have a mechanic. They got to yeah. have insurance. They got to get fuel. Um, so you're creating all these economic development spinoffs. So you can go through all these lists of things and realize all these benefits and all these drawbacks. So whenever True, I wow. have an adversity or mistake or challenges, I take a piece of paper out. Yeah. What's the difference? What's the drawbacks? And I Thanks. get a balanced perspective of benefits and drawbacks of it. And that way I'm neutral. 
Wow, wonderful. What a great strategy. I hope uh, everyone can, someone can follow that and utilize that one too. Great. Um, I usually do the same strategy when I have problem solving. So I will write down on the left hand side all the problem. I will go yeah. into the details to the depth until the worst thing that what worse can happen. And on the right hand side, I will write all the best solutions, what best I can do. And if sometimes I cannot do, then I can ask myself what someone else can do. Like, you know, finding solutions in the book or with people and all. Well said, Darren. Well, I had a situation recently where I had a guy called me up out of Los Angeles, California. He goes, Darren, I'm in a really bind. He owns a re- he owned a restaurant in Los Angeles during the COVID-19. Yeah. And he phones me up and he goes, man, I'm just in dire financial straits right now. I said, well, what do you mean by that? Because I want to know how much runway does he have left? I said, it's okay. So let me ask you a question. Do you own the building you're in or do you lease or rent it? He goes, I rent it. I said, great. Has the landlord called or the property manager called to come change the locks yet with the landlord or property manager or the bailiff? He goes, no. I said, great. How many days, weeks, hours, months before that's going to happen? He goes, probably about three to four months before they come change the locks on my door. I said, great. You've got, you know, 60, 90 to 120 days. You've got lots of runway to figure this problem challenge out and scenario plan and contingency plan. And speculate on what you could turn this dude to. I'm guessing if, if you've got three hours, okay, we've yeah. got a serious challenge or problem on our hands. But you've got some runway. So people people make things up in their head like, oh my gosh, I'm so I'm hurting financially. Okay, great. Are you going to live underneath a bridge and have a <laughs> shopping cart and have, yeah. you know, have to eat it next to a garbage dumpster? Like, oh, I never go that far. Then you're not struggling. Okay, that's great. All right. So if you have one choice to teach others, either from failure or success, what will you choose and why? Well, first thing is, is that we learn through adversity and failures and challenges because it gets us to step out of our comfort zone into our learning zone. Okay. And without failures and challenges, there's no growth. We just become complacent and we're comfortable. Okay. Right. Another thing is too, is that what I always share with people when they have goals or dreams, number one is, are their goals and dreams written down? Like I have, yeah. you know, I have my top 10 personal promises, my goals, dreams written down. I carry them everywhere I go. Second thing is, if it's not scheduled or structured into your calendar, yeah, it does not exist into your life. Wow. So when so- someone says to me, hey, I want to work out at the gym yeah. or get in better physical shape and I want to release 20 pounds of weight, I'm like, great. Where does it show me in your calendar where you've got time blocked three, four, five days a week? Wow. A cardio or physical activity or Great. nutrition to actually release 20 pounds away. If you tell me you want to be more successful as a commission salesperson, it could be in real estate, a mortgage broker, a financial planner, show me in your calendar over the next seven days where you have revenue generating activity scheduled. If you want to build financial wealth, show me in your calendar where you have wealth building activities scheduled and structured in your calendar with activities to fulfill that time to move you forward towards wealth building. If you wow. want to take Passive income, show me in your life where you're reading books, watching videos, surround yourself with mentors and coaches or team members where you're collaborating on passive income planning and you're moving towards that by measuring and tracking things with the metrics. Wow, what a wonderful, what a preeminent idea. Thanks so much. But this is wonderful what you just shared. And, and I personally really admire that what you just said. Now, during the lifetime, a lot of time people have uh, cliches and myths like, you know, if you need certain amount of education and knowledge and wealth and capital to start a business. The next question is, how can a person with no money, no higher education can start his or her own business in today's world? I've done it multiple times. Multiple okay. times. Share it, please. Go well, ahead. Well, here's the thing is you don't Fire. need any. First thing is you don't. First thing is for people to understand the mindset, 
you don't need money to start a business. Okay. Okay. What you need to do is you need to get around people who've already made money. See, see, my friends all have financial problems. They make so much money in a month through multiple streams of revenue. They yes. don't know what to do with it. They don't know where to allocate it or how to get it working for themselves. Okay. okay? So there's people who don't have any money and people who have a lot of money coming in. So first thing to do is go to four or five-star resort hotels. If you live in a major city, go hang out at a four or five-star. Like, so when I was flat broke financially, I couldn't, even pay, <laughs> I, used I couldn't even pay the parking meter. I couldn't even buy a lunch or a salad in the restaurant because I was so flat broke financially. But proximity is power. So you've got it. You've got it. Where does money hang out? Right? So I, I used to... I was on such a financial tight budget. I used to hang out at the Holiday Inn. Why? Because I got free continental breakfast the next morning. Right? Yes. So I would hang out at the Holiday Inn. Again, no disrespect to the Holiday Inn. But when I was, when I was at the Holiday Inn, I would go and get around country clubs. Um, I would go get around places where money hangs out. Um, yes. Conferences in the first couple rows, VIP sponsorships, backstage passes at concerts. True. Where does money hang out? Then get yourself into the environment, even if you have to volunteer. Yes, Listen, you do I, it. I've taken tickets. I've done coat check because I didn't yeah. have the money to pay for the ticket to get into the event. So yes. I volunteered to get into the event just to get proximity as power, just so people could see me. True. Facial True. recognition. So Listen. that when I left that event and I saw somebody, they're like, hey, you look familiar. Yeah, I saw you at that event a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah, you're the guy that took my tickets. You're the guy that did the raffle. You're the guy yeah. that was, did my coat check. You're the guy that signed me in. Boom, got rapport. Rapport, excellent. And I, I have personally have used this strategy since childhood and all. I've been always a fan of like, you know, where, where as you said, where money hang out, where, yeah. where wise people, intellectual people, and people hang out and I, that's what how I met my board of director too in a Fairmount many years ago and that's where my successful business like you know went up skyrocketing and all that's a different story but I truly truly admire that that's one and only few people can do that in this kind of strategy number two things the key principles they needed one no shame yeah. and two no fear yeah and these the these are two principles why somebody say, oh, why I want to go there? The fear of criticism will kill itself. So I had no shame and no fear. I say, get it done. Go ahead. Jump in. Dive it. Yeah. Well said that. Well, well said. fear doesn't live in action. See, when I would see successful people, I got really scared and really shy. And I didn't know what to say. And I thought, who am I? I'm yeah. not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm stupid. Yeah. Who am I to talk to these people? These people aren't going to give me the more time of day. Yeah. So what I realized was to start acknowledging and recognizing and paying compliments authentically and sincerely to people. Excellent. That's how I started, just acknowledging and recognizing successful people. Wonderful. Great. Um, so as you mentioned about in relationship earlier that you have ups and down with your colleagues and associates and all, and you've been a very kind and humble person about love. So this question relates to uh, what is the power of unconditional love and what does it does to the human? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, is that realizing, so I relate love also to gratitude or okay. counting my blessings. So I think it's, you know, every day is a gift to have this magnificent life experience. And, and, and all we are is love. We're, we're universally connected to everybody on the planet. You know, if we're up in the International Space Station looking down on planet Earth, there's no countries, there's no continents, there's no time zones. Well said. We're all just human beings running around like avatars on the planet, breathing the same air, sleep underneath the same stars every night. Excellent. And, 
to me is, you know, I've had a chance to do a lot of humanitarian philanthropy and travel this world many, many times. And I've been in indigenous cultures. I've been in third world, second world, first world countries all over the planet. And I realized that wherever I go on the planet, no matter what city or country or continent I'm in, we all are dealing with, every human being is dealing with something in their lives. So true. And guess what? We all want to be liked. We all want to be loved. Love. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be understood. True. Very true. Well said that. And about that world, you said then from top above, you see uh, planet Mother Earth is so important. As you can see, one of my logo on the back is the idea show with the globe. Yeah. <laughs> well, very well said that. I strongly believe in totally one citizenship, human humanity and global citizenship. Yes. And definitely. Well, um, now... We have a little short time, but we will do this round. I call usually make the world happy round. So this is your wonderful short and sweet answer. We'll be highly appreciated on that. How to find a passion? How to find a passion? Well, the key thing is, is, is every human being has a hierarchy of values. Okay. What, what do you enjoy doing that when you do it, you lose track of time? Okay. That's right. your passion. That's a passion. No matter what it is, it could be gardening. When you're out gardening, you lose track of time. It can be playing with kids. And then think about, as you're doing that, how can you get paid to do that? Excellent. Second, <clears throat> would you like to hear disagreement from the smartest people or an idiot? Good question. So I've <laughs> learned stuff from being, being with homeless people. I've learned people. So sometimes the smartest people, their ego gets in the way. And yeah. sometimes they come from a lot of, you know, I've, I've, I'm around a lot of smart people. And I've learned some of the smartest people make the dumbest decisions when it comes to finances in terms of investing. That's true. Whereas I've met people who are just hardworking people who, who understand hard work and effort energy are yeah. able to multiply money differently. So I, I, I have a mix of people. I'll give you an example. I have a good friend of mine okay. who, if you were to meet him, you would automatically assume he's extremely negative. In fact, I have brought him to lots of dinner parties and charity events and people have asked me in private not to bring him back anymore, to exclude him <laughs> off the guest list. Because now, what does he do for a living? He actually contracts to insurance companies to underwrite mitigation of risks. Okay. So he advises insurance companies to speculate, look at all the worst possible case scenario things that can go wrong. So when he meets you and you start telling him that you're an entrepreneur, or you're a business owner, he will get into an inquiry mode to start asking about questions. He'll start punching holes in your business model because that's the way his mindset <laughs> is. And he'll tell you everything that's going to go wrong or is going wrong or about to go wrong in your business or company or industry. You can be an employee. You can work for the federal government. doesn't matter. Okay. And so I love him to be part of my due diligence team because yeah. he does all this scenario plan for worst case scenario situations. He's okay. a good asset, whereas other people say, I don't want anything to do with the guy. So he's an absolute <laughs> blessing to me, and I'm grateful to have him in my life. Excellent. Well, very well said. I like that definition, how you portray it, because there's no such thing. Sometimes we have cliches. The smartest people will give you the best ideas, but it can come from any ordinary person to the extraordinary ideas. Okay, next. While dealing with finance, do you like to know your weaknesses or smart skills? I know, I know my strengths, and I delegate my weaknesses. Okay. And I have people around me always showing where I'm exposed yes. or where I have blind spots. Okay, that's great. Okay, next. What makes you happier, the intelligent part or the emotional part of your life? I would say a combination of both. I would say the intellectual, which is strategizing and planning and master planning. Okay. And then the emotional side is generosity and contribution and philanthropy. 
wonderful great answer <laughs> okay when problem occurs do you diagnose the root cause causes or you escape from the problem to develop more strength great question i would say i i hit it head on i yeah. i i i'm like a firefighter or like a first responder i okay. run into the burning building versus everybody's running out of the building so whenever there's a problem i'm like a dog on a bone going at it because I'm looking at what's the blessing in disguise. How can I monetize this? How can I turn this into this crisis into an opportunity? Excellent. So I will look at the problem or challenge. Yeah. And then I will look at ways to turn that into an opportunity and okay. how many ways I can do it. And then how can I leverage it? And then if I need to have a team, who can I put in the team to actually facilitate that to move forward, to get it, to grow and scale it? Excellent. Okay. Next. Who is the true teacher, the failure or the success? The failure. Okay. All right. Next. I'll give you an example. Okay, I, please. I was, I was on an airplane one time, uh, flying from New York to San Francisco on United Airlines. Guy sat beside me, been married and divorced nine times. Oh, what? <laughs> been married and divorced nine times. And I sat there and thought, wow, when the student is ready, the teachers appear. I sat with him and had them walk me through all nine marriages and divorces of what he learned from each one in terms of unpacking the life lessons. I took pages and pages of notes with wow. permission from him in my journal. And then when I got to my destination, my hotel that evening in San Francisco, I wrote all kinds of notes. He taught me so much about what not to do in terms of integrity, character, um, you know, not being my word. He taught me so many things. It was like an integrity school wow. on the airplane that day because he was so out of integrity in his life. He caused all these challenges and he wasn't present and just so many things. I, so many just golden nuggets that I learned. So he was an absolute blessing Great. that so many people can learn from. Same thing too. When somebody, one of my good mentors, um, he's passed away now, but he, he became a billionaire okay. and then he lost it and then he made it again and then he lost it. And I learned so much from him okay. throughout his journey that taught me a lot of success things I used to this day in my life. Great. Next. Uh, you have to choose one, only one. What will you choose from time, money, love, or sex? Time. All because, right, great. Because, because time, you can always get all the other things. You can't get more time. Okay. All right, next. What is the best advice you have ever received? Never assume you're not being observed, number okay. one. Second thing is without integrity, nothing works. Excellent. Another thing is time will either promote you or time will expose you. It's okay. just a matter of time. So make sure you get promoted in life versus get exposed. Excellent. So what is the worst advice that you have ever received? Worst advice. Um, um, get into things like in terms of investing, because I yeah. get approached a lot. Get into speculative things about doing, do, uh, you know, hey, just get involved with this thing. Just trust <laughs> me. Don't, okay. don't have to do any due diligence. Just wire me some money. Just get involved in this opportunity. Okay. We don't have time right now to do due diligence. You've got three hours to make a decision and get in this deal. Okay, excellent. In business, do you believe in safety or risk? I would say calculated risk. Okay, excellent. Okay, how, how, can, you, how can an active investor keep his or her temperament? A um, couple things. One is, is having people around you who who've got your back, but will also give you constructive feedback and keep you in okay. alignment. Uh, you know, I have a team of women that are around me with my groups of companies. Uh, my, my core team is that work with me is women. And so they always ground me in terms of being humble and, nice. and not too proud. 
And, and that's a big thing. And also making sure I'm in check with my heart okay. and, and not being in my head. Cause sometimes I can go and live in my head yes. you know, and, and analyze things and figure things out and problem solve and so that. So they make sure that I'm always in my heart and I'm, and I'm always balanced in terms of connecting with people and myself. Excellent. I hope everybody have that team. <laughs> okay. What mother earth, what mother earth means to you? Uh, taking care of the planet in terms of humanitarian work, in terms of my planetary assignment is that we have all these natural resources that we're gifted in society, like all like water and fossil fuels, all these things. It's so important that we take care of it. We look after our planet and that we go out and we do really good so we can get our own backyard, taking care of our own family. We can get our money right. And then we can do our planetary assignment to help out our communities, our neighborhoods or internationally or globally to make a difference for the next generation. Because wow. this is, this is the way we pay our rent. You know, we're, we're here on the planet but we've got to pay our rent through service to other people or to humanity. Very well said that, Darren, my friend. Great. Okay. Now imagine if God makes you a woman for a day, what will you do more of and less of? Well, good question. What would I do more of? I would say, you know what? Um, really understanding deep level of connection and presence is okay. a big thing. I, I, you know I mean? Just, just really deep, authentic communication. Is that what I do less of is, um, I'd say drama. You know what I mean? I, 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 I've turned off, like, you know, not to say all women do drama, but I'd say just less drama, less, uh, you know what I mean? Because it's like a roller coaster sometimes, emotional roller coaster, and do less of that because when emotions are high, intelligence is low. And sometimes you'll make bad decisions or bad judgments when emotions are high. Because you're reactive versus responsive, from my experience anyways. Okay, in your experience. Next, what is the most important, uh, personal development or wealth development? Uh, your wealth can only grow to the extent that you do. So personal development. That's right? Because you, you can grow wealth and then you can also lose it and self-sabotage because you have a fear of success yeah. or you have a fear of maintaining that standard or level. Yes. Uh, so personal development, you only grow to the extent that your wealth. So as the more you grow, the more your wealth will grow, but you have to grow you first. Excellent. So, so personal development, that's the backbone and key. Wonderful. Now, next, what is the valuable, the idea or the idea who creates the idea? Say it again. Okay. What is more valuable, the idea or the, or the idea, the one who creates so the person who creates the idea, if he or yeah. she has their paperwork and documentation all in place, then they can get credit for that. And if they're going to turn into a business, that they get compensation for that. Okay. Right. Uh, because then, because sometimes people who are not entrepreneurs have the idea, but then they need the entrepreneur to take it and go out and raise the capital, build the team, and grow and scale the business. So I've seen in situations where somebody's a really smart person with a PhD or an MBA, or a really smart person, they have an incredible idea. The entrepreneur runs with it. The entrepreneur makes all the money, and the person who invented the idea makes very little money, as an example. Okay, that's good. Well said, that yeah. Now, what kind of sound or voice do you love to listen? Uh, like like out in nature, like like songbirds, beautiful birds. Yeah, anything, morning, sound or noise. A stream. Yeah. I, I love nature. Uh, okay. I get really excited when I hear a jet fly over because I love to travel. Okay. Um, but I would say nature is a big thing for me, and air travel, hearing jets fly over. Um, wow. I love that sound. So do I. I love nature too as well, especially the um, ocean waves yes. and birds singing. Yeah. <laughs> Next, if you if you would would be born again on planet Earth, what profession would you like to choose? 
question. What I choose, you know, I've always wanted to be a police officer. I think about it every day. In fact, every doesn't <laughs> that day goes by, I don't think about being a police officer. Salute, sir. What is your favorite book name? My favorite book name to read, or favorite book that I would um, I would create as a title? Yeah, no, you have you have written your book, but apart from that, what is your favorite book? I mean, you must be having hundreds and thousands, probably. Yeah, so I read about sixty books a year. So, uh, gosh, you know, there's different areas of life. Like, you know, going back would be How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yeah, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Casual Cards by Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, uh, I've read a lot of biographies, autobiographies, on a lot of people. I've read a lot of business books, finance books, wealth building books, relationship books, health books, yeah. spirituality books. Wonderful. I have That's a great. library of books. Like a big library. Yeah, great. Yeah. So what do you do when you are happy? I fulfill my, uh, my gifts of what I do in terms of my value system, what I enjoy doing. So I, I fill my day by living life on my own terms. So it's being in service to other people. Yes. and contribution. So I'm always doing things as a visionary. Um, so I don't like administration work. I delegate that. I don't like things. So I do things that move things forward in terms of my growth and contribution to humanity yeah. and fulfill my needs <clears throat> of a human being. So I always dedicate my life to what I enjoy to do. Great. So what do you do when you're unhappy? Um, well, I'm, good question. I'm doing things that are low value on my life. So for example, uh, household chores. Okay. I'll be unhappy. Uh, doing mechanical or repair work will put me unhappy. Okay. Um, cooking, um, <laughs> I'll be unhappy. I just, I have no, I, it just doesn't interest me. Okay, well, that's good. All right. Now, because as you've been um, recognized, world known as a speaker, author, have been uh, now, what is your prediction of 2022? Yeah, so, so two things. One is we have an internal economy. And then we have a national or international or global economy. Okay. What I always do is I always focus on what's going on inside of me first. Okay. Right? Am I coming from lack and scarcity or abundance yeah. and prosperity? Am I reacting or being proactive? So first of all, I got to get my own internal economy set up right so I okay. have the right mindset to win. So I'm not in fear and uncertainty and doubt and lack and scarcity where I'm contracting and playing small. So that's okay. the first thing. I think 2022 is going to be a year of a lot of acquisitions and mergers in business okay. because okay. there's a huge ripple effect happening with the global pandemic. And there's a big reset happening in a lot of companies and business industries. So Excellent. I think people who've got cash or access to cash and people who can see opportunities in crisis, there'll be tremendous upside. And I think a lot of people in the next 12 to 24 to 36 months yeah. will, will, will skyrocket growth and success in their life and their financial wealth. Uh, hopefully some of them will do humanitarian philanthropy, good stuff with it. But I okay. see a tremendous amount of opportunity in the next couple of years going forward. Lovely. Now, quickly, if you can tell, what is your prediction of the world in 30, 20, 100 years from now? Yeah, good question. Um, we'll have a new set of problems and challenges and opportunities. Uh, you know, as, as we look at now, people want to get off fossil fuels and they want to go to solar and wind and, and batteries. And that has benefits and drawbacks as well. So I think each decade, each 10, 20, 50, 100 years has new problems and new opportunities. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we use the sun and how we use, um, you know, like insects, for example. Like I've been to Africa where I've eaten grasshoppers and crickets wow. uh, for, for food sources. So I think that we're going to see a lot more things on the planet like insects that we can use to, as, as a main source of food and nutrition. 
And I think we're going to use a lot of natural resources that we're going to see whether it's the wind, solar, will play a major role going forward in our lives. Excellent. Thanks. Uh, quickly, um, is fear is a good indicator or a bad indicator? Well, fear is feedback. Fear, fear is, um, so m my experience, fear is, I always ask people, is fear, you know, where, where, what is fear? And people say, well, fear is false evidence appearing real. And I say, well, that's an acronym. And yeah. I always say, what is fear? Well, fear is an anticipation of pain, right? It's anticipated pain. So if it's anticipated pain, where does it live in our past, our present, or our future? Well, it lives in our future because we're anticipating it to happen. So fear does not live in action. So the key thing is, if I take you to a diving board in a swimming pool and I say, jump, you're going to have fear. But when you jump, you're going to be exhilarated and you hit the water. It's like, whoa, what an experience. If you have skydiving in an airplane, yeah. you, might be scared on the, you might be on the ground like, man, this is really exciting. They're putting my suit on, my helmet, and you're excited. And you got a dopamine fix. But as you're going up and you're climbing in the plane, you're getting scared. And then when they open up the wind or the door to jump out, you're scared. But when you jump and you're coming down and you look at all the views, it's like, wow, it's incredible. So Excellent. I always say to people, whenever you have fear, push yourself forward and take action because fear does not live in action. Excellent. Now, imagine if you would be the host of this show and I would be your guest, what question would you have asked me? Oh, good question. I would ask you is what you have a beautiful smile. Thank you. So what <laughs> lights you up to create but, that big smile? What lights you up in your day to create that big smile? Well, there are, there are two important reasons. First of all, my mom kept this name happy. And in early childhood, she passed away when I was just three year old. And after that, when I was growing up, I decided it is the greatest insult of my intelligence if I'm unhappy and I don't live up to that name. So that's one of the reasons. Second, if I have a choice to be frustrated and bored always or to choose frustration or boredom or confidence, I always choose confidence every morning. That's what my question is. And confidence comes with the people who have a smile on their face. Doesn't matter how good or bad days goes, I have a choice to remain happy. And that's one of the reasons. That's great. Okay. Well, that's a good question. <laughs> Nobody asked me on that show. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So that's the last question. Um, and we will wrap up. Um, <clears throat> what is your favorite word or your quote? Favorite word would be gratitude. Okay. So, quote. Okay. That's your word. Favorite. What is your favorite quote? My favorite quote or quote? Quote. Yeah. Favorite quote. Um, you know, I would say my favorite quote, gosh, you know what? I've got lots of, because I read them every day. I've got affirmations here. You know, I would say I'm a powerful creator. Um, I love that. Okay. I'm a powerful creator. Is that right? I'm a okay. powerful creator. Wonderful. Great. Well, thank you so much, Darren. And I am so glad and happy and delighted with your wisdom and all. And I hope all the audience has got the best answers to their question. Also, they enjoyed the show. It is an honor and privilege to see you here today. But hopefully, we will call you back on, on my show because my lot of um, audience and fans are also asking about a lot of questions we didn't complete. So I want to say thanks to the lovely audience as well with my folded hand. And thanks to um, the people who have asked questions we could not answer but we will answer that question as well soon. And thanks, Darren, once again for having you on the show, the Happy Conversation Idea Show, where people share their thoughts, ideas, and stories of the happiest people. And that's you're one of the happiest people. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Thank you.